0: Welcome. Welcome in to Sports Talk Chicago. All gas, no brakes. If you're looking for the same old Sports Talk. Get out! (laughs) You've come to the wrong place. Hey, we ain't come this far just to come this far, you hear me? I tell you what I see, I tell you the truth. We're going hard today. We're fearless, bold, and highly opinionated. This here show this show is so hot right now. The biggest guests, the hottest takes, and the best interviews live right here. Do you actually remind me of Dan Patrick? Because you ask great questions, you have the knack, you have the gift. On Sports Talk Chicago. Yo, Chicago. Here's your host. You guys an absolute stud. John Zagul. Hi, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk Chicago. Great to see everybody here with us on a of our great radio and TV affiliates across Illinois and Indiana. WKAN 1055, The Ticket ACTV, JED TV, WJOB, and Cities 92.9 Talk FM. My name is John Zaklul. John Meadows is directing and producing. We have a huge guest joining us right here in just a second. Remember, you can follow us all over at Sports Talk Chicago. Subscribe to the YouTube page at Sports Talk Chicago. Give us a thumbs up on this video if you enjoy it. And I really appreciate everybody being here tonight for. A huge guest, somebody that we need to talk about who comes on right around this time every year. And we're certainly excited to have him here with us. He's a seven-time All-Star current Baseball Hall of Fame candidate, which we're going to get to a lot in this interview. And the head baseball coach at the Miller School. Please welcome the MLB legend Billy Wagner to the program. Billy, it's great to see you. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm great, John. It's always great to be back and always, always fun to talk with you.
0: Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you back here. Certainly looking forward to this conversation. Uh, wanted to start by talking about your coaching first of all. How did this past year go for you down at the middle at the Miller School?
1: Well, well, you know, high school baseball is always—you uh, never know what you're going to get with young men and women. Uh, you know, it, it has been fun. Uh, I think uh, you're, it's always fun when you're dealing with development, and that's your your main concern. Uh, and I think going through pro Bowl and everything that I been able to, to experience and being able to pass that down um, you know has been great to be able to to share with these young men and women you know i have some tremendous athletes uh, you know i think somebody that stands out is a, a young lady that i coach naomi ryan who is uh, on the us women's uh, olympic team and you know being able to be an advocate for her and push push her and uh, along with the other young men who are working to want to want to get to where i've been uh, you know, those are things that I really get excited about. And, and I tell you, i probably lose more sleep over that than I have any, anything else.
0: <laughs> so how is it for you to kind of develop all these kids? As you said, they're all trying to make it to where you were. What's that like from your perspective, already being there and being this MLB legend?
1: Well, I think a lot of it is just being being realistic and, and letting them know that you're in high school and trying to be the best high school ball player that you can be before you start looking into the major leagues. and. You know, having having that experience, it, it's easy to sit there and, and have that discussion about what what you know, these major league players actually look like. When you look at a Freddie Freeman, and you you look at some of these guys that are monsters, that you know you you can't see that on TV. You you just can't experience it until you're in that dugout, in that locker room, and you walk by these guys and you just go, "Wow, these guys are monsters." Jason Hayward, the guys like that, are just monsters. And, and so I, I think having having that that view allows me to sit there and go, hey, let's be the best high school player. Let's let's really develop that and then move on. And, you know, you know, I've been so blessed. God's blessed me so much by being able to sit there and, and have some really, really talented players. I've got, I think, eight players that are in uh, pro ball now. Uh, I think I have uh, three that are in AAA that are right on the cusp of getting their their debut. So, I I mean, you know, I've been blessed to have that type of talent that come through. And, you know, being able to travel and do things with these guys, give them experiences, and it has been very uh, worthwhile. And you, you can see that in their growth.
0: As a developmental coach, you talk about all this success that you've had with some of your past players. Is there an ability for you or a want for you to move up from the high school level, maybe teach college or even go to the minor, even major league level?
1: Well, yeah, you know, I, I mean, it would have to be the, the, the perfect situation by far. But I think the biggest thing that I enjoy in the high school is that mentorship, having that relationship to be able to talk to them, to really be real. I, I think the NCAA hampers you with uh, coaches with the ability to to have the relationship to really, really focus on the development and growth of the game. I, I think now the game has become, if you're not, you know, this monster by the time you're in the 10th grade, you've already, you're, you're done. You can't, you can't play at these levels. I, I you know, thank God that I was before this because, you know, I feel like I would have been one of those kids that probably doesn't, uh, you know, I probably don't get that opportunity today that I got back then because people, you know, uh, i was very wrong now nowadays you have to be so much better uh my son's a pitcher my youngest son's a pitcher and he is 10 times better than i was when i was in high school but you sit here and they they are very much you know they're scrutinized and stuff through the social media when you turn on that social media all of a sudden you automatically go oh my gosh look at this look at this 12 year old throwing 95 and you're like holy gosh what, what do i do to get better how do i do this And so that's part of me and what I enjoy the most is like saying, Hey, let's, let's just enjoy the game. Let's really enjoy what the game, the pureness of the game. So, you know, unlike other teams that we played, you know, I, I bunt and hit and run and, you know, I, I work those types of things and, you know, try to play the game as uh, truthful as, as possible. But uh, I, I think the game has changed in large amounts just because of the social media and so just playing that app you know kind of playing in between and trying to keep guys in in check is uh has been a, you know a joy for me because i know how difficult it is
0: do you think some of those purist strategies should be utilized more in major league baseball what do you think about the direction of that part of the game today
1: well i you know i think what's unique about today's game uh, and i'm hoping i'm answering this correctly uh is that you know, we, we're wanting to speed the game up. We're wanting to make, we're wanting right. to cut out some of the dead air. Well, I get that. And that's fine. I, you know, I think the bigger bases are great. I think the, the clock is great. I have no problem with the clock. I think, you know, by the time you're in the big leagues, you pretty much know what you need to do and what your your strengths and weaknesses are. So you, you know, you you should know how to to move quickly. I think, you know, uh, the minor leaguers today have um they have a much better attitude on it and they have made that you know uh, adjustment. Um, But, but I, but I mean, you know, um, the, the pureness of the game is still the bunts, you know, now the bunt is going to become the steals getting back in more into because now you can only pick off at a certain time. And now you, now you've got pitching coaches strategizing. When do I pick off? All right. When am I stealing it? Two seconds in the in into the pitch clock I I can do these things and so now you're tinkering with these things so I think there's still scheme and and, and stuff you know I mean I'm a traditionalist so I was all about the DH I thought that was great Uh, I wasn't a very good hitter that's why I was a pitcher and so now (laughs) you know uh, I like that DH I like being able to pinch hit and do some things uh, in that fashion but I I think uh, you know they're you know facing a straight nine with the DH now you know uh, is a little different. Uh, you know, that was an American League thing and you, you got to enjoy it. But now now you experience it throughout the league and, and stuff.
0: Did you ever get a net-bat in a major league game?
1: Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> and I say that, I say that, you know, uh, you know very rarely did I get a net-bat that I wanted because if I got a net-bat, I usually sucked some way and I had to stay in the game, and I blew a save or something like that. But
0: occasionally. <laughs>
1: You know, I would, I would get that at bat where we were winning. I had to come in and hold a lead. I got that lead. And so my bat came up and stuff like that. Now, you know, the good thing is I that that is one of those experiences that, you know, I get to hold over uh, these kids that I do have two hits in the big leagues and that, you know, uh, it's not as difficult as they keep making it out to be. But, but and now my, my oldest son plays and he's in triple A and now you know he 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 got actually got to pitch two innings in a ball in a blowout game and threw scoreless and so he gives me a hard time talking about how easily it is to pitch and so you know <laughs> it you know it does give a good perspective when you're a, when you're a, you all you've done is pitch and now you get in a bat here and there it does give a good perspective of like hitting is not as easy as it looks when all you're doing is pitching but uh you know uh that was fun i mean my bats some of my at weren't as fun as I expected. When you're facing Nin and some of these guys that you know throw very hard with really good stuff, you can really look foolish. But I, I had fun with it. I would tell the catcher, "I'm like, hey, can you throw this? Because I really want to see what this looks like." And so they'd go out there. I mean, I'm striking out anyway, buddy. Come on, it doesn't really matter what you throw. Let's just let's. I want to see what all these guys are clamoring about. So to be able to get to see those things, you know, that was fun.
0: Billy Wagner, MLB legend, here with us on Sports Talk Chicago, Billy. What's the key to being a good closer?
1: Having a good manager. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you know, it really is. And somebody that believes in you keeps giving you a chance. I mean, you can't have numbers if you don't have somebody that's going to, you know, uh, weather some of the storms that a closer goes through. Because no matter how good you are, you know, uh, you're going to have a bad week. You're going to have a bad weekend. I mean, I think we've all had, you know, every closer that's ever placed had press where it's talked about, not being the same or you're you're you know is this the end i mean i'm you know playing in new york i i read articles about mo i read articles about trevor and johnny franco and robin in and all these guys that uh, you know lee smith i mean you you just can't have just you have that but what i think is amazing is when you have the manager just can weather that storm and sticks by you and keep putting you out there and i did larry durker was great letting me learn how to to be that closer and have consistency, and when you have that, when you're a good closer, it's because that manager is giving you chances to keep going out there. And then you figure it out how to rebound from a bad game. And you can't you can't have success without the failure, and you you can't make these these adjustments without it. And so, um, you know, I, I I really contribute a lot to Terry Collins, uh, Larry Durker. I mean. Uh, you know, these guys, Jimmy Williams and guys, just continue to give me that opportunity when I was in, in Houston to, to be that closer and get those chances.
0: How did you do it for so many years? You see closers today with, at times, a shorter shelf life in Major League Baseball. You lasted for a long time, put up 420 plus saves. How did you do it?
1: Well, I, I mean, just, I, I think love, the, the love of going out there I loved, well, when I came up, I was a starter. <laughs> and I hated right. starting. Um, <laughs> You know, it, it was good on the day you started, but it, the, the other f- four days was not, not much fun because you were you were thinking about that start or whatever. But there was something about being, you know, you felt like an everyday player as a closure. You could go out every day and compete. You had a role to play. You could you had to be on the edge. You weren't just sitting in the dugouts and thinking about what, what, uh, what was going on and what was happening. And you knew that a three-run lead, you got to be ready. You knew what time that lineup was, how it was being flipped, and who to be ready for. And there was something having that mentality of every day being ready. And I mean, you know, that that just that was the fun part and the joy of the game. Going to the park every day, knowing that you had a chance to play, and so um, that that was, you know, and that goes back to if you're successful, you, you know, you get to play more. And so that was a that was a joy. And you know, we I was on a ton of good teams that. Gave me those opportunities and when you play on teams that are good you you get those opportunities and it gives you that longevity
0: let me ask you this what was the most dominant save or appearance that you made in your career if you could recall
1: the most dominant appearance for a save yes gosh i don't know i think uh i'll tell you i think uh, there's a couple, I think, that really stand out. And I think the two that stand out to me was probably real early in my career against San Francisco in Houston. And um, it, it it was, I cut, I came in the game, and I think Bagwood made an error. I think Vizio makes an error. Uh, I walk a guy. I've, I've, uh, I've got one out. You know, uh, Randy Nor comes out, and, you know, being green and naive is really a blessing. So, But he comes out and he goes, hey, man, we're going to throw six fastballs here, and we're going to the house. So I'm like, okay, here we go. Well, the next two guys I'm facing is um, Barry Bonds and Matt Williams. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, so, you know, that was the first introduction to a high-pressure situation. And I ended up punching out the side. now we're punching those two guys out. And so you're like, okay. You know, and every, and that was when you got that respect. I remember back one then. That's when everybody was like, "Oh, wait a minute! This guy's special. This could be something unique and, and stuff." But, and then I think the 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 next one might have been, uh, and that's because it's probably closer to the end of my career. But uh, and, I, and I can remember it is. Uh, I think it was for my four hundred save against Detroit in Atlanta, and I punched out uh, the side. Uh, you know, I think there was. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a few other ones, but I, I think those stand out because. I think the San Francisco really gave me, everybody stood up, took notice of what I did against those two great hitters. Um, but I mean, I think, uh, you know, to get to that 400th and punch out the side still showed that dominance. So I, I mean, there was some, I'm sure there were many. I think, you know, uh, the no, uh, you know, there was, there, there were probably plenty more, but I think uh, those stood out to me right off the top of my head.
0: How did 400 feel for you when you got to the 400 mark? What did it feel like?
1: Well, because there was no real, nobody knew what the Hall of Fame number was for a closer. You know, it hadn't been established that oh, if you get this save, you're on making like a 300 wins and 3,000 hits and all these things. You didn't, you didn't know. So, 400 seemed to be like that might be the number that kind of said like, hey, this establishes you as a dominating player you get into the Hall of Fame you know you have credentials you know, that kind of thing but um, that night going out there I remember running it and you know um, you really don't realize how many people know about this and you don't you and that night uh, you know I come in I had some of my college teammates that were have to be there uh, you know the fit the, the, it was packed house uh, and uh... I remember running out, and it just felt different. It was kind of like that—that, that, you know, just in, in the zone type thing, where you're kind of out of body, and it felt like you were just. And it was just very. It was just one of those easy nights where you punched outside, and it didn't seem. It didn't seem like you put a lot into it. It was just effortless, and it's just one of those magical nights that you you have occasionally. And uh, and that's and that's how that that felt. But you know, knowing that, you also thought that that was leading to something bigger.
0: So I assume you kind of had an idea, hey, this is significant. This is a big deal that he got to 400.
1: Uh, Yeah, there hadn't been many. I think at that time there was only uh, a handful of guys. And, and I mean, uh, you know, since then I think uh, Frankie Rodriguez, I think uh, uh, Kimbrell and uh, Kenley have gotten it since then. But I think at that point there was only four or five of us. So, yeah, it was significant knowing that – what you'd establish and, and stuff, and so that that seemed to be the the staple point, you know, not really knowing, uh, you know, what what it really was, and it, because closers weren't valued quite like uh, I should, I, and I don't really want to use Mariano as a as a closer because he was he was a completely different animal when he he played he was he was he wasn't so for for some of the the lower level closers I guess we'll call them you know we you know that seemed you know big deal and i should add hoffman too because lord have mercy those two got so many saves together i mean you know they named an award after them so I, I think those are unique those are two unique i think everybody else in that 400 are kind of in that situation where you feel like you know that's the number and your dominance shows shows the deficiency
0: Definitely. More with Billy Wagner coming up next. We still have to talk about his Hall of Fame candidacy. You don't want to miss that coming up in the next segment. Stay with us here on Sports Talk Chicago.